unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Nathan, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, and I'm looking forward to today's conversation. Wink, wink. Yeah, I hope very good. I hope you won't play a fly on the wall on this one because (laughs) uh, I really want to talk to you about it. All right, let's go ahead and jump into what do we got for the listeners today? Well, let me start 30 years ago. About 30 years ago, I saw my first Gary Halbert newsletter. It was printed on paper, old school printed newsletter, and I was blown away. I didn't know what I was reading, but I couldn't stop reading it. In fact, I must have read it 20 times. I've been writing professionally myself for almost 20 years, but I didn't know how to write like Gary was writing. And for a good long while, I couldn't figure out what he was doing. Now, I know, I do know now, I know what Gary did the way he wrote. I also know that it was unique and is beyond my power of description today. And I won't even pretend that I could write the way he could. I can't. Who can? But I did figure out a couple of key things that launched my copywriting career and led to millions of dollars of sales from my copy. The first thing was he knew how to sell with the written word, which is something we've talked about a lot on this podcast. The second thing was that he wrote in a totally conversational way at the same time he was selling. And that's something we've never really dug into before today on this podcast. But we will just as soon as we are all 100% clear that copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity. You may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Now, Nathan, I really want to hear what you have to say about it, but let me let me just uh, get this out first. Look, it should be the easiest thing in the world, but for most copywriters, it's one of the hardest things to do, if not the hardest thing. And I'm talking about writing like you talk or to use the technical term, conversational copywriting. Mm -hmm. But face it, the more your copy comes across, like you talking to your prospect, the less likely your prospects are going to think to themselves, oh, this is an ad, and put up their defenses. And the worst thing about conversational copywriting, as far as I can tell, is that no one else I've found has actually thought of this as a skill that can be taught. Most copywriters and copy chiefs grudgingly admit that the better copywriters can do this and the lesser copywriters can't do this as well. But that's about as far as they go. I think different. I think most people can learn this, but it's not a matter of just wishing and having it so. 
It's a skill. It doesn't come naturally, and it doesn't just sort of seep into your writing by itself over time, but it's not impossible. It's not even that hard. It just takes some focused attention. I think it's a skill you can learn piece by piece, and I've broken it down into pieces today and steps to learn it. So what I want to talk about is why it's so hard to do this, why it's so important to do this, what gets in the way for most people, and then a few comprehensive action steps can take to make it better. Before I jump into all the stuff I've prepared, Nathan, what are your thoughts about all this? I just want to second your Gary Halbert comment. For me, it was partially the Gary Halbert letters, but it was also reading the Boron letters and realizing as I'm reading it, I'm feeling like he's writing to me. I know he's writing to his son, but the way that it's written, it feels like it's directed straight to me. And that same tonal quality was also in a lot of the Gary Halbert letters. And that was when I first put two and two together and was like, whoa, he's the way he's writing in both of these and the way that he writes his promotions and everything, it really, it feels like he's sitting down and having a conversation with you. And that was kind of one of those first early aha moments for me as a copywriter. And it goes back to the same guy, Gary Halbert. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can, I can definitely see that. And I don't, I don't know of anyone else who, who could do it. Let's look about do it the way he did it, but we can, we, a lot of us can do it. So let's look at why is it so hard to write copy the way we talk? I mean, it seems like it should be the easiest thing in the world, but that's a little like listening to a hit song with simple lyrics and saying, oh, that must be easy to do. Yeah, sure. After all the prep and practice and fine tuning and research and rewrites and retakes in the studio, it is easy to do not, right? Let's look at some of the reasons why writing copy conversationally doesn't come naturally to most people. This will help us figure out how to get there. First of all, it's not what we learn in school. You get in a lot of trouble if you write conversationally, except instead of the officially approved way. It's not what we do in any other business activity or military activity or government activity or nonprofit activity, or anything else. Um, one of my favorite sayings is, you don't rise to the level of your expectations, you fall to the level of your training. And that's originally from the Greek poet Archiculus from the 6th century BC, but the Navy SEALs use it. Also, Arthur Murray Dance Studios. Hmm. See, it doesn't really matter what the skill or activity is. If you haven't been drained in it or you haven't refined it through trial and error on your own and then repeated practice after you refine it, you're just not going to be that good at it. Outside of copywriting, only a few other types of writing use conversational styles. TV news writing, screenwriting, comedy writing, speech writing, TV fiction writing, which is a little different from screenwriting, uh, telemarketing script writing. That's about it. But I've never seen a course anywhere that teaches you how to write conversationally. I have seen courses or books or both on writing dialogue for movies, and that's, that's about halfway there. 
But it seems like for most people in this business, in our business, the unspoken assumption is either you got it or you don't. And then the assumption goes, so if you don't got it, you're not set up for this line of work. And I think it's bullshit. I think either you've got it or you don't is code for, I don't know how to teach this to you. And I don't think anyone else could teach it to you either. So it's on you. And I call bullshit on that. I think people can learn to do this, but I think it's a mistake to think that it comes naturally. There's only two things that come naturally, breathing and being scared of loud noises. When we're born, everything else has to be learned. One reason conversational copywriting is hard to do is because it seems like it should be easy. So there's this disconnect because it's not. Another reason is there's really no manual or class and the way you actually learn is kind of camouflaged or disguised, but I think we'll take some steps to unravel that today. The biggest thing that I notice working with my clients and even in my early days of copywriting is the tendency to psych ourselves out. We can do conversational writing when we're just posting something on Facebook or emailing a friend. But as soon as we're like, I need to convince someone, so I've got to grab their attention and I've got to hook them in and I've got to hit the transformation points and the benefits and make sure that I'm... And so we start to psych ourselves out with all of these things that we have to accomplish rather than just letting the conversation flow. So that's been my experience is even myself as a veteran copywriter, I still sometimes stop and I say, well, I'm just totally psyching myself out right now. Well, you know, I'm really glad you brought that up because there's a point to what you're saying. And it's also why it's harder because we're not, when we say all those things to ourselves, we're not making it harder than it needs to be. I think we're actually setting criteria to do something that we're not as comfortable doing as just posting on Facebook or some other uh, blog, or social media. But I, I, I have some points about that. I'll get to that. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. Okay, so let's handle this question. Why is it so important to be able to write the way we talk, especially in copy? And this isn't like optional. There are real advantages to being able to write conversational copy, but more important, severe disadvantages to you, to your client, if you're writing for a client, if you don't know how. Because copy that is not conversational is either boring or what's worse, it reads like an ad. And if it's boring, then you've got a big problem. No one's going to read it. If it reads like an ad, it could be exciting, even interesting, but your reader is going to put up their defenses and your chances of building trust and making the sale they go way down. Mm -hmm. uh, the best copy in the world is always conversational. And the irony is you already know, and this is, this was your point, Nathan, but let me, this is my take on your point. You already know how to do this, except when the heat is on to write something that performs, you already know how to have a normal conversation with another person. You can write an email to your grandma in plain English, you already know how to answer a question from a stranger and give them directions in your town. But writing copy is different. You may not have learned how to transfer this ability into putting together a sales message. And it's possible. I mean, of course it's possible. We do it. But there are some new awarenesses and new skills you need to develop. So what 
I want to talk about for, for the rest of this podcast is how to get this ability into your muscle memory so you don't freeze up or screw up when the heat is on. Any thoughts about that? No, I'm excited to see where you take this, though. Okay, great. So fair warning, this is going to sound a little weird because this next step is to study and familiarize yourself with conversation. I mean, how can you familiarize yourself with something you're already familiar with? Well, here's the thing. Even though you've been having conversations before you could actually walk, even if all you were saying was, you only know about them in certain ways and probably not in the professional way. You need to know about them to write conversational copy. It's like the difference between walking and tap dancing. One is something you do all the time. The other, you're highly aware, at least at first, of every movement. So let's look at how you can study and familiarize yourself with conversation. First of all, you need to know what conversation looks like and sound like. You've probably never really thought about this before. Notice how in a conversation, people use short words and cliches, you know, unless they're from the government or academia. But even those people, when they're kind of off duty, are going to talk in normal words. Notice how they repeat themselves. Notice how we speak sometimes really clumsy, but in metaphors and images. Notice how people confuse their opinions with established facts. You'll realize conversation is a possibly very different mindset that you might have when you're writing. Then, once you see and hear what conversation is, start to internalize it. Internalize it by reading, by getting a hold of TV and movie scripts, if you can, by reading great speeches, and of course, reading great copy and internalize for muscle memory. Find great conversational copy and copy it by hand. Not like by fingertip, but like on paper. If you find an author you like who writes conversationally, hand copy book openings. One of my clients who was a little stuck, brilliant guy, great copywriter, but he was a little stuck. He did this, found an author he just like adore, you know, idolized. And he did this to great positive effect. And hand copy any other writing that's conversational and compelling, that is persuasive. You want to get it into your neurology. You want to wrap myelin around your neurons that has, you know, Morse code of, and I'm using kind of metaphor here, of conversational copy in it. Did you do any of those things? I did. I do. And it reminds me of a conversation that I had with you way when we first started working together years ago. And I was asking you, well, what books do you read? What kind of copywriting books? What kind of marketing books? And you told me, I read a lot of fiction books. And I started diving into fiction books. Greg Horowitz, Orphan X, you recommended yeah. that series. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, Lee Child and Stephen King. Those are some of my favorite authors. And the reason why is because their writing very often has a very conversational feel to it. Just that hint of, because I was bugging you, I'm like, which copywriting book should I read next? And you're like, why don't you read some fiction books? And you just totally blew my mind with that. And it took my writing to a whole nother level. 
Yeah, and those three writers are especially good, not only at writing in a very seemingly plain conversation, it's very elegant, really, but also they understand human nature really well, and their writing comes alive in your mind. You can read some writers, and they're very cerebral, and you may have an incredible conceptual roller coaster ride, but you won't see and feel things the same way you do with those guys. So that's why they're so popular. One of many reasons, I guess. Okay. So next step, start listening deliberately. This is the point where you really expand and sharpen your awareness. It's not just about what people say in a conversation. It's how they say it. What does urgency sound like? What does conviction sound like? What does enthusiasm sound like? The more you know what this is like in the real world, the more you're going to be able to duplicate it in your copy. And you have to make it a point to do this research, not just like "Eh," when I feel like it, like this is a project, almost like you're the client and you're paying yourself to do it since in a kind of Rube Goldberg convoluted way you are. You have to listen to how you talk. This is a new kind of awareness. Most people don't listen to how they talk. I mean, singers and podcasters and performers and speakers do, but a lot of writers don't, who don't do those other things. Listen to how others talk. Especially listen to how you talk and how other people talk when the stakes are high, when something is on the line, when you've got to get a message across. And you've got to get someone else to take action, whether it's for your advantage or for their own good, when you've got to make that happen. Start to notice the difference between urgent persuasion and random chatter. One thing to keep in mind, we've talked before about the different writing styles or the different writing cadences for different parts of your message and how towards the call to action, Sometimes it gets a little sped up. It gets a little bit more cut down just to the points to keep it moving faster. And you talked about conversational urgency. A lot of times, if you can understand conversational urgency, it helps to instill that sense of urgency in the reader. So we're trying to increase their feeling of urgency. They need to take action right now. Well, if we know how conversational urgency works and we use those rules for that section of our sales page, it can increase the feeling of urgency to take action and buy whatever it is we're selling. Yeah. So that's great. So someone might have a a little bit of trouble understanding what you and I are talking about with conversational urgency. Imagine somebody at a restaurant, you know, with a friend on a date and um, they're very uh, indecisive and they're going over the menu and, and you know, they're sitting there stroking their chin. Then the food comes and their dining partner gets some food stuck in their throat. How do they start to talk then? Does anyone know the Heimlich maneuver? Stand up, right? I mean, that's the difference between urgency and random chatter. And until that becomes second nature to you, it becomes so much of an effort to write this. That's why this is worth really wrapping your brain around. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go back internalizing. And that that is the second nature part. So I'd like to remind you of what Archiculus said, and the Navy SEALs, and Arthur Murray Dance Studios, 
You don't rise to the level of your expectations. You fall to the level of your training. What kind of training do you need for this skill, which no one else even seems to think is a learnable skill? You need to do something so you know what it sounds like, both outside and inside your head. And if you can sync that up with the wiring of your nervous system, you can get some muscle memory on it. So hand copy stuff. We, I think we talked about that. The other thing is when you've got copy, especially your own copy, read it out loud to someone else like you actually want them to buy it and record what you're saying and then transcribe it and then edit it. And also I've found at least, at least for 20 years that random ideas start to pop it. Good ones start to pop into my head the strangest time. So sometimes just use the recording app on your phone when, when you get something, because, you know, I find the same thing with music when I get a certain riff or motif or, you know, I don't know, a musical phrase. I can't remember it because there's a rhythm and a tune to it. There's a feeling to it that I don't haven't developed the ability to memorize. So I'll record it on my phone. A lot of people do that for both words and other sounds, music, tunes, things like that. Okay. Before we jump into the next one, what do you think? Uh, it just reminded me of kind of like a life principle that I try to live by, which is force versus flow. When you're talking about music, sometimes dance, sometimes just writing, sometimes it just flows to you. And that's when it's the most conversational. But when you're trying to force something is when we really run into that resistance and it feels inauthentic, robotic, just not very natural. And so just when you were saying that, especially when you brought up the music and the riffing on the music, sometimes you just find that flow and you just sink into it. And that's when the best stuff comes out. Yeah, I agree. And I think flow comes from being able to relegate this to your unconscious mind or your muscle memory or your learned repetition practices. So, I mean, ultimately that's where you want to be, where you can just get into the flow state. And, you know, I have, a, I have a client who says to me, God, you just constantly come up with this stuff that takes me hours to do. And I realize that's just now I realize that's why, because I've internalized it. I can drop into a flow state the way a drill sergeant might, might say to a grunt, drop and give me 20. You know, I can do the same thing. Okay, but get in a flow state, much more pleasant. Okay, I don't know, maybe if you like to do push-ups. All right, so fourth step is reach out and work with someone who knows. You know, you can get so far by yourself, but then at some point you should get someone who knows this from an experience and from helping other people to work with you. I'm a good example of that. I'm actually the best one I know of, but I know there are others. In two of my sessions this week, like, Within the last three days, I was working with experienced copywriters. Their copy has brought in huge paydays. They have great reputations. One of them has a company that was making a million dollars a month and is currently only making about half a million, but they just need some new traffic source. I mean, these are real deal guys, you know. Nevertheless, with both of them in different ways, we spent a large part of our time working together on making some of the copy a little less 
factual, logical, and and bland, and a little more conversational without making it all hypey or ridiculous. Uh, so my advice is get a coach who can help you with this if you can. Maybe you can't, or maybe you're not going to do that. If you're not going to do that, see if you can find a copywriter who maybe they don't know how to coach, but they know how to write conversationally and know how to spot it and make a deal with them. Offer, I don't know, wash their car, do research for them, walk their dog. Find some way that you can uh, make a deal where they'll go over your copy. They may not even be able to tell you how to fix it. They might even be able to say, this is good, this is not, right? At least that. So you're taking advantage of some experience. And further down the ladder is work with a copy chief. And I don't mean a coach who calls themselves a copy chief. I mean an actual copy chief at like a direct mail publisher, a direct response publisher. I found that writing conversationally is usually not their strength. Although, I mean, I can think of one and he might even be hiring and he might not. So don't, don't. Don't hold me to this. Mike Morgan, who we've had there, he's copy chief at Money Man Press. He's really good at conversational copy, and I'm sure he's good at coaching it too. And he's also got someone else. uh, He's got a team who can help you with that. So that's like an ideal example. And if you can find someone who's going to help you with that, they may be more about getting the job done than helping you develop your skills. Because, you know, when they're paying you, They're not your teacher, your coach, your personal development assistant, right? But some feedback from someone who knows is better than no feedback at all. All right. I was just going to say what I did was I went and found the world's greatest copywriting coach and offered to help produce a podcast with him. (laughs) So it's a little bit more than washing a car, but yeah, there's ways to make it happen. Yes, just be creative. Okay, so let me recap the four steps. One, study copy that's conversational and familiarize yourself. Two, start listening deliberately to how you talk and how other people talk in conversation. Three, start internalizing conversational copy. And four, reach out for expert help. And that's about it. I'm going to add a fifth one. And if this episode goes a little bit longer, because I want your take on it. Uh, A big mistake I see people all the time making is writing to an audience rather than writing to a single person. So starting the email off with, hey, guys, or, hey, I mailed you all my last whatever. And I know that one of our mutual friends, Joe Schriefer, one of the things that he really hammers down on is having one person. They even have a action figure of the guy that they're writing to right there on their desk. I'd like to get your thoughts on the conversational benefits of writing to one person rather than writing to a broad audience. Yeah, I completely missed that. I'm really glad you brought it up. At a like a logical level, sometimes people will sit around and watch TV together, but I have never seen more than one person at a time read a sales letter or watch a VSL, you know? So even if they do, you gotta assume you're writing to one person. And of course, you don't it's true that a really good performer can make you when you're in a group feel like they're connected with you, but I don't think it works that way in copy and certainly in conversational. I mean, how many conversations, you know, do you have with people who say, 
Well, Nathan, you know, as far as you and all the other people in, in your neighborhood in Colorado are, I mean, the people don't talk that way. So yes, sometimes this is hard for people because they figure, well, what if I choose the wrong person? And the answer is, okay, I got a surprise for you. It's better to choose the right person than to choose the wrong person. But unless you choose the really wrong person, it doesn't matter at all. It's more the energy of one-on-one connection than it is the specificity of that individual prospect's life. It's more the energy of one person talking to another person and, you know, their care and concern about things that are important to the person they're talking to than it is um, it. Yeah, I know we use the target, but it's not really like you're at a shooting range and you need to hit the bullseye. It just doesn't work that way. I just kind of think of it as like a bunch of people standing around the water cooler or a bunch of people at dinner having a a business meeting at dinner or something. Yeah, there's a lot of people there. Yeah, there's a big audience. But more often than not, the best conversations are the ones that break off where one guy is sitting next to a girl and they're talking to each other or at the water cooler where one person and another person are engaged and the rest of the people are just kind of watching when, even when there is a broad audience, like your whole email list or everybody that's going to see your Facebook ad, the best conversations, even amongst a group of people are the ones that happen between two individuals. So when you're writing to keep that conversational flow, keep in mind the importance of a conversation between two individuals. And I think that'll definitely help out your copywriting conversational skills. Yeah, I agree. You made me think of the streaming show Severance, which I I just saw. It's an office drama and it's a really dystopian science fiction thing. But I was thinking it's basically about four people that work together in an office. But when the deal's going down, when they've got to make a decision, it's usually just a one-on-one conversation. And the reason for that is that's how human beings are. Mm-hmm. And that's really important, especially if you tend to be idealistic. I don't care if you're idealistic on the right, on the left, or you're an idealistic moderate. I really don't care. Y- y- you can't expect the world to be the way it should be you can hope that it will but if you want to sell to people you got to sell to them in the world that we live in the way the world is so absolutely david man a wealth of knowledge on today's episode before we're out of here do you want to recap those four and then also include writing to a single person yeah okay that sounds good one study copy that's conversational both with your listening and with your reading and familiarize yourself, start to analyze it, step back, categorize it, realize the structure, realize its qualities Two, start listening deliberately to how you talk and how other people talk. Three, start internalizing conversational copy Four, reach out for some expert help. And five, just write to one person. Yeah, absolutely. David, thank you so much, man, for putting this together. And the last one that you mentioned, 
before the one person thing, you were talking about uh, getting a coach and we kind of went into that a little bit. I know of a great website. It's called garfinkelcoaching.com. Is the guy that runs that website available for coaching? You know, the best way to do that is to have a really important project you're working on, do a critique, and then you can get some value, get to know each other, and then we can see. But the answer is, yeah, I have room for a couple more people right now. All right. And that's Garfinkel Coaching. If people, garfinkelcoaching.com, if people want to check that out. Coaching. Dot com. Yes. <laughs> All right. Awesome. And also, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to catch more, you can always head over to copywriterspodcast.com. Make sure that you like the podcast, subscribe to it, leave a review if you're feeling generous. And until next time, we will catch you later. Catch you later. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 ahead seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. This show was brought to you by the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.